two things, sitting with your sorrow and checking your hands. So first, sitting with your sorrow, Thomas Aquinas, one addressing the topic, the emotion of sorrow, he gives five remedies for sorrow. Five remedies, it's worth looking up all five of those. We're just gonna look at the first one. And the first one, he says, the remedy, first remedy for sorrow is to weep. It's to be sad. It's to sit with your sorrow. He put it this way. He says, tears and groans naturally assuage sorrow because a hurtful thing hurts yet more if we keep it shut up because the soul is more intent on it. Whereas if it be allowed to escape, the inward sorrow is lessened. So I'm sad. I'm going to be sad. Maybe let it out. You know, there's a, a comedian, Louis, uh, Louis C.K. He was on um, a late, one of those late night talk shows. And he was, when he was being interviewed by one of the guys, he, he mentioned and he recounted how one time he was driving on the highway. He was just listening to Bruce Springsteen, he said. And as he was listening to this song, just randomly driving on the road, he found himself, as he says, pricked with what he described as a profound sadness out of nowhere. And he, he said he immediately felt the urge to run away from it. And then I, I, Louis, I, I quote him, he says this, as, as he felt that urge to run away, the, the pricked with the profound sadness, he says, oh man, I'm getting sad. I've got to get my phone and write hi to 50 people. But as, but as I was reaching for my phone, I said, don't, just be sad. Stand in the way of sadness and let it hit you like a truck. And I pulled over on the road and I cried. And it was beautiful. Sadness is poetic. You're lucky to live sad moments. I was grateful to feel sad, he said. And then I met it with true, profound joy. See, there's the depth of joy. There's the depth of what, when the Bible says rejoice always, is to sit with the sorrow long enough to meet a profound, to meet a true and profound joy. See, it doesn't, meeting the, the, the true and profound joy, it doesn't make the sorrow less sorrowful. It doesn't take the sorrow away. But I do meet love there. And it's like, that can be so, like, especially if some of us this morning, we're carrying something, like we're sad or we're carrying something that's sorrowful on our hearts. There's a pain, there's, there's a disappointment like that can be such that's so difficult to grasp even scandalous to say that's why it's helpful sometimes to turn to to art to to convey these things you know so you should have gotten a card when you walked in on the back of the card there's a poem by a, a famous poet a catholic poet dante in the 13th century he wrote this poem that's entitled upon a day came sorrow into me and I ask that you follow along with this because it's a, it's a, it's a deep poem and it's difficult, to, it's difficult to follow. And so Dante, in his poem, he says this. And so what he's doing, he, he's personifying sorrow as, in a woman here. And he says, Upon a day came sorrow into me, saying, I've come to stay with thee a while. And I, pre and I perceived that she had ushered bile and pain into my house for company. So in other words, like sorrow, it's nasty, it's painful, it's, it, it, it's ushering 
it's ushering bile and it's, it's ushering pain as this, as this company is coming to me. It's like, it's nasty, it's painful. And so, of course, what is, what is his response? Wherefore, I said, go forth away with thee. Go away. I don't want you, sorrow. Of course, I don't want you. I don't want to experience this. But like a Greek, she answered full of guile and went on arguing in an easy style. Then looking, in other words, sitting with it, sitting with the sorrow, then looking, I saw love come silently. And then he personifies the love that comes into this, as this man, habited in black raiment, smooth and new, having a black hat set upon his hair. And certainly the tears he shed were true. So in other words, the love that came, the love, the sadness didn't lessen. The sorrow didn't go away. The love itself that's come is crying. So I ask thee, what ails thee, trifler? Answering, he said, a sorrow to be gone through. See, when we sit with sorrow, we can meet a person there. What does the Bible say? What's, this, what's the first reading of the prophet Isaiah in this time of waiting right now, of Advent before Christmas, awaiting the Lord's coming, the, Isaiah says, there's going to be someone that comes that's going to heal the brokenhearted. Someone's going to come that sets captives free. There's someone that's going to come that's going to release prisoners. See, sorrow is real. It's powerful. We're, we're, to, we're to feel sorrow and to sit with it, but we're not to be imprisoned by it. Can you meet a person in the sorrow is the question. Do you sit with your sorrow? Do I? Do you sit with your sadness long enough to have love come? To meet a person? <clears throat> you know, the, the previous, our current Pope, Pope Francis, and the two previous Popes, Pope Benedict and John Paul, they all seem to be very attuned to the, they seem to be very attuned to the sorrow in the world. They all wrote and spoke a lot about the sorrow, especially the sorrow of the youth. Pope Francis, Pope Francis says this, as it relates to sorrow and sitting with the sorrow and reading the sorrow, he says, and I think he was speaking specifically to youth here, but of course this is for all of us, but maybe especially for youth that are here to hear this. Because study after studies does show the sorrow and the sadness that maybe is increasingly so for the youth today. Here, Pope Francis, it is important to learn how to read sadness, to read it. We all know what sadness is, all of us do, but do we know how to interpret it? Do we know that what, do we know what it means for me, this sadness that I feel today that's come onto me? In our time, sadness is mostly considered negatively as an ill to avoid at all costs. But instead, it can be an indispensable alarm bell for life, inviting us to explore richer and more fertile landscapes that transience and escapism do not permit. Earlier this week, it was at a daily mass homily. I shared that I haven't been on Twitter in like four or five months. That's like a new record for me, right? But I have found YouTube shorts in all its, 
all its power. <laughs> and a few weeks ago, I noticed as on YouTube Shorts, and we know YouTube Shorts, it can be endless. And I just noticed that I was sad. And I tell myself, well, the content is good, right? Like the, 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 the algorithm that YouTube has found, like the stuff I'm getting, it's good content. Okay, but how, how about I allow myself to be sad and to sit with my sorrow to see if maybe it's an alarm bell inviting me to explore richer and more fertile landscapes. See, what's that? See, the richer and more fertile landscapes for you and me, it's contemplation. It's meeting a person. It's kind of enduring the guile and the bile and the pain of the company of the sorrow so as to wait patiently for love to come on in, for a person to come walk on in and to meet through through contemplation to meet a person there and then to make an act of faith. Of which transience and escapism, the transience of moving one thing, of being quick, or the escapism, the YouTube shorts, or the shopping, you name what it is for you. Jesus is in the, is in the sorrow, waiting to meet us. Which brings us lastly, and I'll close with this. I want to close with the image on the other side of this. If you could take this out, this image, and we're blessed now to have um, a version of Michelangelo's Pieta back in the back of our church. And maybe there's no greater image that shows sorrow than the Blessed Mother holding her son who was just crucified, was just taken from the cross, and there she is holding her dead son's limp body. And certainly the look on the Blessed Mother's face is a, is, is, has sorrow written all over it. But what I want you to do is I want you to look at her two hands right now. Notice that her right hand is around Jesus, holding him tightly, as the, her fingers even pressing in upon his body. What is she doing? She's sitting with her sorrow. She's sitting there with with Christ. And notice her left hand. Her left hand is not wrapped around Jesus. Her left hand is held out open, her, her palm upward in this disposition of receiving, in this disposition of, of contemplating. It's like, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I don't want this sorrow. This sorrow doesn't make sense to me. I, I, don't, I don't like it. it do I don't know why it's happened, but this, I'm going to trust. I'm going to receive, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I'm going to depend here. And certainly that look on her face has, has sorrow, but she's not worried. And so the question for us is to, is to check our hands. What are our hands doing? When sorrow comes, when sadness comes, what do I typically tend to do with my hands? Do I have one around him? Am I waiting with the other? Am I enduring the pain and the guile maybe of the sorrow so as to meet love and a person? Because you, no matter, doesn't matter who, who, who it is in this church this morning, whether it's up here in the sanctuary or in the pews, we know sorrow well, and there's things right now, or if not now, sorrow will come 
tomorrow, tonight, next week, in the middle of a Christmas celebration to check my hands, to check my hands and to see and to receive him. And so sorrow or sadness is a universal human emotion experience. Don't shy away from it. Don't try to just get rid of it. Sit with it. Let sorrow hit you like a truck. Let your sadness hit you like a truck tonight or maybe tomorrow. And then read the sorrow. Wait for love to come on in and meet a person. Then truly, as we wait for the Lord's coming, we can indeed rejoice always.